Filibuster received sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. So I'm guessing the people involved in the altercation after the game on Sunday are not filibuster listeners, um, because I'm going to guess that most of our listeners are not violent idiots. Um, And it should go without saying, but apparently it needs to be said. Ben, are we okay with the explicit tag on this episode? I mean, yeah. All right. Don't fucking jump people after a game or anywhere. Don't go looking for a fight. Don't start shit. Don't do it. It's dumb. And you're ruining things for the rest of us. DC United fans, soccer fans, MLS fans, sports fans. Don't fucking do that, you jackwads. I mean, this is like, I was talking with my wife about this, and she does not follow DC United closely, but she listens to Elliot in the morning. And this is the first time she heard about it on Elliot in the morning. And I was proud that, like, this is the first time that this has happened, and that sucks that it happened. But DC United fans don't do this kind of shit, so let's continue to not do this shit and just stop it. Don't well, beat people up, you dillweeds. I I think it's important, like, whenever fan bases across the world have violence, um, one of the things people tend to fall back on is like, well, They'll they'll say like these fans and they'll put them in scare quotes when they're referring to these people and um it's a good way to like author the attackers and make it so they're like well that's not us we didn't do that we don't do that so just these people um and I think that's the kind of thing that allows this attitude to sort of fester uh, in a fan base when you're not like you when you don't acknowledge that these are fans of the team that did this um, yes. Being a fan of the team doesn't preclude you from acting this way. Um, unfortunately, that's just the way things are in reality. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's definitely not an indicator of anything I've experienced in all these years of going to games from any of the supporters groups, from random supporters. Um, but it isn't the first time I've I've heard of a fight near the stadium. You know, I a few years ago, I remember two random fire fans and two random DC fans trying to have a very drunken fist fight um, near the tunnel to lot eight um, and, and, you know, watching the police slowly arrive and, and haul them off. Um, so it's not, this isn't like a uh, unprecedented thing, um, but an organized group, you know, trying to accost and eventually attacking someone. Uh, it's just, it's depressing. Um this should have right. been a really good night all around for DC United on and off the field. And all of a sudden, like Ben, like Ben pointed out, like what are people going to, what are people going to remember from that night? Yeah. Um, I'm mad that I, I, I'm like, I'm upset on so many different levels. Like I don't want people to come into DC and into an area associated with this team that I identify so strongly with and have them be attacked by anyone, least of all by by someone who's a part of 
quote our tribe or whatever. Um, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with being forced to talk about it on the show and using my time and energy and your your guys' time and energy and our listeners' time and energy to think about this because it's not something we should have to think about um, because it's so obviously wrong. Like this is even beyond the hooligan cosplay, fancy row mate kind right. of nonsense. This is just violence for violence's sake. You're not you're not proving anything. You're jumping a group that's not prepared to fight. Uh, and and just only, mug, mugging them. Just, this was a mugging. Yeah. Their, and it, their offense was existing with green shirts on in that space in that time. That's it. And at the end of the day, it's a it's a fucking game. It's it's yeah. it's you're not supposed to be having fun. Violence. You're supposed, it, you're supposed to have fun. have fun. You're supposed to have a um, good time, and you're supposed to just enjoy a soccer game. And right. like, and if that's your idea of fun, get fucked. Um, exactly. Go away and don't come back. Um, go to jail and don't come back. Um, I hope whoever it is, I hope they're, they're found. I hope they're banned for life and I, I hope they are taken to trial or, or plead guilty because that it's not okay to jump people in the streets. Like that's a person that you jumped. It's, it's right, another, got, that, that person has a life. They have to travel back to their home right. with a broken jaw or, or concussion I mean, or whatever else right. you gave them. That, just, that Sounders fan is missing, like missing time at work, um, yeah. which is going to become a whole thing. You know, this is not like, oh, I'm fine now, and and my life goes on uninterrupted. This is going to be an ongoing thing for that person, um, and it's not a choice they made to put their put themselves in physical jeopardy. You, right. whoever you did didn't this enter made an MMA contest them. with them. Uh, yeah. This was someone who was just trying to walk to wherever they were supposed to go. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that the Sounders fans did not know where they were even supposed to be heading. They were just, you know, out the door, off you go. Um, and, you know, th- maybe it's not the best route, but I'm sure it's probably an accident. And also, it doesn't matter. Um, no. You're allowed to walk past a different team's bar and not have people, first of all, not have people try and steal your stuff, which is apparently where this started. Um, and then especially not getting beaten up because you're like, don't steal my things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it sucks. It sucks that, that this is the story of this. The number one story of this game is that, um, people are in the hospital over the, just the dumbest, the dumbest idea of what it is to root for your team. Yeah. And if you think that violence is okay, just stop listening to this podcast. Just go away. On that note, hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Fuck Violence podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United. Tonight, we are talking about DC United's 2 nothing win over the Seattle Sounders, which unfortunately was punctuated afterward by an attack in the streets by a group of DC United uh, or apparent DC United fans. I there's reason to believe they are DC United fans based on their behavior. Uh, I don't know why they chose to do that again. Fuck all of them who are involved with attacking people. Um, we're going to focus the rest of tonight's episode on the two, nothing win over Seattle later in the week. We will have a preview of DC United's upcoming trip to New Jersey to, to face the Red Bulls 
for uh, the Atlantic Cup and for uh, playoff position. So it's it's going to be a big game there. So so be sure to come back for that episode tonight. Before we get anything else, you know our tradition. If you've ever heard this show before, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, today's been a long day. Um, so I, I didn't have time to have a, this is not my second drink. It's my first, but I'm trying to get two drinks into one. Um, so I made myself a Kentucky mule, but I made a extremely strong Kentucky mule, uh, to the point that the little mini can of ginger beer did not all fit into the glass on first pour. So I had to sip it down to fit the rest of it in. Um, so yeah, it's one of those. It's a, Ginger beer, lime, and uh, Evan Williams, and uh, you know a lot of Evan Williams. Evan Williams green, black, uh, seventeen eighty three. I'm sorry, seventeen eighty three. Sorry, though that is also a black label. They should probably yeah, yeah, yeah. branch out. I don't know, <laughs> Evan Williams. If if you're listening, take take my advice and sponsor the Mr. show, Mr. Williams. Uh, I too am yes. drinking bourbon tonight. I'm drinking yep. bourbon neat. Uh, it is uh, Bullet's ten-year bottling, which is nice. It's uh, it's a little bit spicy. It's a little bit hot, a little smoky. It's pretty nice. Um, mm-hmm. Very much a, a Bullet type of of bourbon. Screw Mister Bullet. Yes, Ben. We already have the explicit tag. You don't have to hold back. I know, but <laughs> um, yeah, homophobia can go shove it too. We'll say that. Yep. Uh, Ben, what are you drinking? I mean, mean, I'm drinking fuck homophobia, uh, but I'm also drinking my own uh, White Claw uh, creation. It's not a White Claw because I'm not going to buy a White Claw, but it is uh, rum and uh, uh, LaCroix passion fruit soda water and uh, lime juice. So it's in the same vein as a White Claw. Okay. And how does it make you feel? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I had white claw for the first time, actually at the tailgate before this game, uh, we should Adam, probably Adam. talk about this um, because I, I came across Adam on my way into the media <laughs> entrance and Adam was coming from the tail. He was, Adam was going to the bike valet who already had his bike, but it had not been validated, uh, which was not Adam's fault. I want to be clear. Um, this was Adam arrived early to the point that he could not get his bike checked in. So that he but had to go. Check so wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Were there any laws when Adam was drinking his claws? Uh, I didn't test the theory. Yeah. It, it seemed like Adam was in a, a law abiding, but very, very jolly mood. Um, <laughs> uh, and so we had, we had a chat and Adam, Adam, uh, had off for for the evening uh, as far as uh hurting children goes and so he was taking advantage of his free time um and had had and a good glass. time tailgating um i didn't hear about the white claw until now but it 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 adds up adam told me he had four drinks uh and was very he also told he also told twitter that no i i think that was jason that told twitter that yeah i think i announced that <laughs> oh, um, okay to, to uh to our listeners i i i was gonna ask ben how many he drank uh, how many drinks he had but i realized i didn't feel like waiting for a response and so i was just gonna send the tweet and go to the press box and uh i had i had a see, bunch that's of marketing journalism our listeners have come to expect yes. i had a bunch but, of the lightest of millers last night is okay. what i was drinking 
Um, yeah, I, I went up to the press box because I had been told there were no plates uh, to eat food with. And so I was prepared for a battle up there. Um, and I got there and there were plates, but there what was no more food. hell is this press box? Uh, it had been great for a while. And now all of a sudden, like the catering company keeps switching back and forth, which is confusing. I think the spiders um, are hiding things from you. The spiders are definitely running the show at this point. Um, it, there's no clarity on what's happening, but uh, yeah, Streff, Stephen Streff sent me a message saying that there were no plates. Um, and so I got in and I saw that there were plates when I walked in the door. I was like, oh, plates. So I grabbed a plate right away. Like the first thing I did, I didn't say hi to anyone. I didn't put my stuff down. I went straight to the plates, grabbed a plate. And then put my went and put my backpack down and and they were laughing at me. And I was like, what are you guys laughing at? And they're like, well, wait till you go see what's left of the food. And then I saw what was left of the food and realized why I was being laughed at. Um, everyone else that got there while there was food was eating out of cups. So just a bunch of your the journalists you read about DC United all eating. Um, I think it was uh, salmon and roasted vegetables out of small cups because that's all there was like coffee cups, because that's what was there when there were no plates. So. Um, yeah, it's getting, it's getting weird in the press box. Um, uh, as always, I mean, that's the way you prefer it. Yeah. Like it, like it, for a while, it felt a little too nice and like, someone's going to come along and be like, Jason, you don't belong here. Come on. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm <laughs> too much of a weirdo for this environment. You're, you're correct. But now it's getting strange and it's like, oh yeah, there's spiders and you know, one of the things you need to eat a meal will be missing and it's going to be something different depending on when you walk in. Now I'm at home and it's like, oh, cool. It's going to be a weird um, ad hoc situation where you might be eating out of a cup or you might just be eating cauliflower because that's all there is. And everyone else is going to laugh at you while you eat your cauliflower. That might be exactly what happened for me because the only thing that was left was cauliflower. And so I had a plate of cauliflower and was mocked by everyone else that writes about the team. Their cups of salmon. Yeah, just their like cups of salmon. It's back line. <laughs> Anyway, White Claw was uh, it, it's it's dangerous. I can see Adam, why Adam. people drink much of it because it's deceptive. Ben, let me handle the transitions, okay? I'm going to close the loop because Jason wanted to dig into the White Claw a little more, and then we went on a major tangent because that's what we do on this show. And I'm just wanting Fine. to close the loop. I had one. There's a reason I switched back to beer after that <laughs> one. Uh, anyway, after two straight road wins, DC United came home to Buzzard Point on Sunday night and made it three in a row, sending the Sounders packing with a two nothing scoreline, as I mentioned earlier. And this one was was clear from the opening kickoff that the black and red were up for this game. Ben, just the the level of intensity what from the opening kickoff was as good as we've seen in a while. Yeah, it's, it was really good in this game, and that was a large part of why they were able to pull out a victory is they they had the energy to win this game over the Seattle Sounders, and uh, a bunch of it was coaching, a bunch of it was energy, uh, a bunch of it was execution, and the Sounders had nothing to be able to deal with it, and DC United, at least for right now, has figured out the best version of this team. It does involve Paul Ariola as the uh, forward destroyer in that central midfield. Uh, it does involve uh, Ulysses Segura playing more than we expected. Uh, 
it does involve right now, right now, Wayne Rooney. I, it, it'll be interesting to see what Ben Olsen does uh, when Wayne Rooney and uh, Ola Kamara are both uh, 100% healthy. It's going to happen soon, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, Ben Olsen decides to do. Uh, but it all goes back to the rock of that central defense and that central midfield, uh, and we'll get into it more in a minute. But both of those positions were rock solid, and that. Uh, provided the basis of DC United being allowed to win this game. Jason, something you've highlighted in recent weeks is that DC United, when, since they've kind of rediscovered that defensive identity, um, when they win the duels battle, they, they tend to do well in the game. And this was another example of that. Well, it's not just since, since they've become stronger defensively, it's been all year. Um, it really, it's been one of the best tells under Ben Olsen. Um, and duels is definitely, it's a nebulous category. Um, it, I think it's a judgment call on Opta's part as to what class, what's classified as a duel. In some cases, uh, headers get thrown in there, shoulder to shoulder challenges that aren't tackles. Sometimes tackles that you think of as a tackle end up getting classified there. So it's kind of a, a catch all. Um, so it's definitely a rough measure, but, Generally speaking, if DC dominates in that category, they probably played really well and they probably won the game. In this game, uh, it was 56 to 41 in DC's favor, and it was something that they were in control of from start to finish. Um, I think the fact that Seattle came in midweek, uh, they had a midweek game and then they flew out here. Um, we've seen DC facing teams in that situation where they're either short rest or they're missing a bunch of players and not really do much with that. They've kind of let those opportunities slip um, most for most of the year, really. Um, but on this occasion, they really made sure that the pace of the game um, had to be at a certain level, that the runs were going to be hard, the challenges were going to be strong, and Seattle was going to have to compete at that level, that that level of vigor to, get, to be on even footing, and Seattle just did not have it, um, I think. I'm surprised. I think our friends from Sounder at Heart were also surprised that um, Brian Schmetzer did not rotate more. Um, and it looked like coming into the game, I was like, oh, I don't like the sound of this because I see Raul Ruiz Diaz. I see Jordan Morris. Um, I see Christian Roldan, um, Gustav Svensson, all these guys that went 90 who are their best players are all getting the play again. And so it's like, are they going to be tired or is this going to be about how good those guys are? Um, fortunately for DC United, they were tired. And DC United just punished them for it for 90 minutes. They made sure that this game was about one team that had a full week of training and prep for one game against a team that had two games and a cross-country flight to deal with before the game. Um, and, you know, that's how you're supposed to do it. That is, that is how a good team is supposed to, to take advantage of their opportunities. And it's it's it, I really wish we weren't in a situation where this is one of the first time it's happened all year, but it finally happened at, at the right time. And that's a plus. Yeah, a couple of Seattle's guys I thought came out pretty pretty game at least early on, and Rui Diaz was one of them, um, and and Brad Davis who almost scored in the sixth minute, or seventh Smith. minute. Brad Smith, sorry. Brad, um, Brad I don't Davis. know what Brad Davis. I made this. I made Mentally, I made the same association, and then I was like, "Wait, that man is far younger than I was, uh, I was doing Brad Davis ever was." I, was. I was doing everything I could not to say Brad Evans. Who is Seattle's right. famous Brad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they keep uh, there are too many Brad still. 
there are too many brads that end up with another extremely common name. Um, yes. And Brad Smith may be the most guilty in, in that uh, regard. The most Brad. Parents, if you have a generic last name, and many of us do, Taylor probably in that category, uh, don't name your kid Brad. Because kids will, and adults, will not get his name right, even though it's Brad. They'll get the last name wrong every time. It'll happen. Don't do it. Save your kid the trouble. Um, Hashtag no Brads. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> Uh, one change from the last couple weeks and this one DC United came out with more of a front foot posture. Um, they were pressing into Seattle's half and it, it, that helped lead to the first goal, uh, counter pressing off of turnovers, um, not just retreating into a deep block. It did leave a few holes, which Brad Smith got it right that time. <laughs> uh, very nearly exploited early in the game. As I mentioned, uh, Jason, what are your thoughts overall on that posture? I mean, it, they, they kept it up through most of the game too. They, they fell back somewhat in the second half, but they, they never went into that low, low block that we've seen so often. Well, I think this is, and I saw some, some takes that were like, Oh, it's good that DC finally figured out something. And I, I thought this isn't something new. This is just that they actually did what they've, they had been doing earlier in the season at a high enough level where it worked. Um, this was not a new plan. This was the old plan just being done correctly, um, which is good. Um, I thought the old plan, you might remember March and April, was, they were pretty good uh, times to be a DC United fan. The old plan was pretty good. Um, the That, you know, defending out of a mid block, um, picking your times to press, uh, being really smart about when the triggers or where the triggers are and, and how to jump on them correctly. Um, that attacking fluidity where especially Paul Ariola was just all over the field. Um, you'd see Segura pop up in Ariola's spot briefly. You'd see Rooney drop in and leave, you know, briefly the formation would be like a four, two, four, zero. And Seattle was not comfortable with that at all. They did not know what to do with both. What do you do with the, the center backs are just doing nothing at this point. So you've kind of cut them out of their involvement. And then also the midfield gets overloaded. And now you have a, a four on three there. The Sounders weren't comfortable with that. They weren't ready for it. Um, and, and that's how it's supposed to work. Um, you know, Rooney is the playmaker, even though he's the forward and you have three highly mobile attacking midfielders underneath him, making it very confusing to figure out where the danger is going to come from. And that just happened over and over again. Um, and that's that's the best way to make this group of players play at a high level. Um, it is going to be tough for Olsen uh, to sort out what to do with a healthy Kamara, who, let's not forget, has like three goals in less than three full games of, of play. Um, he's been doing an excellent job. So uh, I'm eager to see where that goes. But for the time being, it would be really you know, bizarre, unless someone gets hurt at training, it would be really bizarre to make a change to the lineup at this point, because the way it's been, the way this looked, and then you go back a game and saw the way that DC was able to play low block without necessarily being under constant torment and, and the intense pressure, like, yes, they were under pressure, but it wasn't one of those games where you're like, yeah, Portland's going to score any time now. Um, that, you know, being able to do those two things home and away that sounds like a playoff soccer team in MLS a lot of times. Yeah. And being able to do that without changing your personnel literally at all is, yeah. is 
something. Um, usually you'd expect some, but some kind of change there, you know, it's like, well, if they're going to play more defensively on the back foot, you're going to expect to see this player in versus this other guy, if they want to play more forward, but no, it's the same guys, just they can, they know how to play in different ways, which I, I'm going to get, I, I'm, I've never been an Olsen out guy, but this is not meant to call him coach of the year or anything like that, but that's, that's an accomplishment for a coach. That is a, 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 a good mark in his favor. Um, we'll see what happens down these last two games and into the, the playoffs, but um, the, the team is, has seemed to have righted the ship at the right time as well. Um, I mentioned some defensive gaps from time to time in this game. Uh, the expected goals for Seattle was still, you know, a little over one, 1.14 is what I have written down. DC had pretty close to two for, for theirs, if I remember correctly. So um, good performance on the, the advanced metrics, not just on the scoreboard for United um, and down the stretch United, I mentioned before that they didn't just drop into a low block. They went a step further and actually possessed the ball to help kill the game late. And it was so great because the crowd started chanting Olay with every pass United completed. And it was beautiful. It's been a decade since we got to chant Olay or since we, we had any opportunity to. It's been a very long time since I was at a DC United game chanting Olay with other people not just trying to make it happen on my own uh, and and it's been a long time since i had an opportunity to even try to make it happen on my own and i was like wait oh my gosh people are doing it i have to join in um it was it was fantastic i love the olays keep them going ben olsen keep and and players keep giving us opportunity to chant olay late in the game i'm here for it i do have to deliver the the slight um wet blanket no, for this no you don't unfortunately i do um, you don't. One of the things the Sounders have been bad at this year, even when they've been fully rested and all that, and at full strength, not missing. They, they don't get a. They don't get numbers around the ball, um, and so it is easy to connect passes against them. That is that is the main knock on them. That is probably what's going to see them knocked out of the playoffs. Um, come because they are sitting in second, but I don't think anyone thinks they are a major threat to go particularly far. Sounders fans um, don't seem to think they are. Yeah, yeah. There's a, the Sounders fan base. Uh, it reminded me a little. There was a little Spider-Man meme going on where it, it seemed like two fan bases that are both pessimistic about their um, postseason hopes. Um, and for the Sounders, the real problem is that, especially when you take Nico Lodero out and you replace him with uh, Victor Rodriguez, who is trying to get back to to full fitness, um, you're losing a ton of ground coverage and speed. Um, and you don't get that out of Rodriguez. You don't get it out of Harry ship. Um, and all, and, you know, Gustav Svensson is dropped back. Um, so yeah, all of those things contributed to a team that was easier to pass through, uh, than, you know, most teams that DC has played this year, quite frankly. Um, I'm glad they took advantage. Like when you're playing good soccer, you should beat a team and, and expose their weaknesses. But, uh, it does need to be said that the, the two things I would say, to caution people about this game is that one, it's easy to pass through the Sounders. They just, they don't get numbers to the ball very well. And two, the Sounders did have some chances in this game that if they had finished a little better 
uh, maybe we're not so pleased with this outcome, or maybe we're, you know, maybe the last 20 minutes were a little more stressful. Um, yeah, if there was Brad Smith more- squares that ball early on to Rui Diaz instead of taking the shot himself, there's right. There's nobody in the world who's going to save that shot if if Rui Diaz just puts a simple and all, finish and also on it. That shot did hit the bar. Yeah. Um, so he, there's that one. There's there's a chance in the second half where um, it looked like the 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 seas had parted. Um, I can't remember who it was for Seattle that had the shot, but um, Hamid made a really good stop. Um, mostly a positional stop. It wasn't a reflex thing. It was just he got himself. He was already in the right place and happened to get the shot. Uh, I think that was that was Luis Silva, in fact. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, former, they, former they were, DC United co-leading scorer. Yes. Uh, and so there were moments where Seattle could have made this into a game. And DC, for much of the season, has been guilty of doing all right, having a decent night, and then letting the other team make it into something. Or somehow um, not necessarily turning their good periods into outright control of the game. So there is a little element of luck. Um, I think even after the game, Ben Olsen, who, by the way, was apparently dealing with a cold. Um, I, th- I guess maybe something's going, cause like Hamid didn't train for a couple days due to some sort of illness. Yeah. Olsen was saying he had a cold. Um, so I don't know what's up with that, but um, he sounded that sort of same note of caution that, you know, they took advantage of a tired team and there's stuff that they want to fix. They want to be better in the final third because it would be unfair to say, Hey, Seattle could have scored a goal without noting that noting that DC probably should have had at least one more goal themselves. If they had been sharper this game, they get to three goals. If the ball curls just a little bit more dips, just a little bit more on either of Wayne Rooney's two crossbar shots. If Paul Areola um, manages to sneak one of his shots by the keeper, um, I I should say uh, shout out to TD Rodriguez and Fred Briant for, for their, goals because they were the actual goal scorers we hadn't mentioned Mm -hmm. their names yet um jason you mentioned a lot of fluidity in the attack um wayne rooney having his best game in a minute uh got an i think he got an assist i don't think that ball took a touch on the way through to briant uh but i haven't actually double checked it it is an officially credited assist and actually um so after the game um the question came up and Olson joked that he thought it was Rooney's goal. Um, and so afterwards we uh, in the locker room asked uh, Rooney, if he's like, was that your goal or did Fred get a touch? He's like, no, 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 it's, it's Fred's goal. Um, he's and, but he did also joke that Fred took the goal from him because he, he was thinking <laughs> that it would have gotten in anyway. But um, yeah, that was what I saw. Well, it's one of the things where everyone's joking because everyone's in a great mood. Um, this is also the situation where we saw Lucho Acosta briefly, uh, take possession of Flow FC's microphone during an interview with Briant. So um, it's fun to win games, it turns out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Especially to win multiple games in a row. Yeah, the mood has changed. Yeah. Uh, there was still some negativity around Ulysses Segura, who I, I'll say put in a very good shift for him. A lot of battles that he won, uh, a, a few smooth moves on the ball, actually, um, that, that you don't really associate with him. But he's not the guy you necessarily want with the ball at his feet on the run. Um, and we, we saw him get into space a couple of times and then nothing would come of it. Um, but he is who he is. And he's he's helping the team for the most part right now, even if he's not the guy you necessarily want him to be at all the time. 
but he's not a point guard. Um, yeah. Like if he's leading the break, uh, you maybe want him to make the pass early so that someone else can take over leading the break. Um, I thought in the early part of the game, especially he was maybe the most dangerous player in the entire game. Um, as the game wore on, I think Ariola and Rooney took that over from him, but yeah. um, I thought he had a really good game. Um, it's not as technically clean as we would like, but uh, at the same time, part of the reason this, this way of playing works is the constant movement uh, that Segura always brings. We never get a game where Segura takes a play off or something like that. He's always trying his absolute best. Um, and that it's, it he recognizes like, runs at a higher level than I think I've given him credit for. Yeah, like uh, he recognizes what runs to make early. And he, that's part of why he, you see him in space so often is because he, he knows where the, the lane is going to open up for the other guy. And he gets to the spot and gets to the space, which is, a good thing. And you know, it, it, he might be a volume guy where you get him in that situation enough times. He's going to get an assist. He's going to force an own goal. He's going to score his own goal from time to time. But there's, there's a little Darren Maddox. Uh, to yeah. Segura. He's not as fast as Maddox, obviously. Um, but he does get himself into promising situations and it does become quantity over quality a little bit. Um, but that quantity pushes teams back. It makes opposing left backs have to spend more time defending than attacking. Um, and all of a sudden they're, they're on a back foot posture. Um, and so even though it's not, it's not as fun as watching Lucho nutmeg someone or something like that. Um, the frequency with which Segura creates a problem for the other team, it, there's a reason he's getting in the lineup and it's, it's because of that. It's because of how much of a constant threat he is. Even if we know that the, the actual outcome of those threats might not be, as high a percentage of success as we would like, just the threat is oftentimes enough. This is why guys like Jossi Zardes uh, remain dangerous, even though they aren't as good as you would like. If he were particularly good at finishing, he would score 30 goals in MLS, and instead he scores 13 or 14. Um, but the fact that you've got to deal with him constantly being a threat to get a good scoring chance or a good assist chance, uh, that is changes the game for his whole team. It's not just for him, it's for the entire unit. All right, say you're at work and uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or, or something to, to that effect. If you, uh, if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government, call the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, if you want a free consultation, tell them we sent you. Go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster.
converted right fullback Russell Knauss also had a pretty good game, even if he couldn't keep up with Brad Smith. But I think very few people on any team are going to keep up with Brad Smith. Um, he had a couple of moments, 1v1, where he was isolated against a defender and just took the ball off him, uh, which was, you know, you love to see it. Once, I think, at either end of the field, got me out of my seat to to cheer because he just, mm-hmm. you know, took the ball away and walked away with it without committing a foul. And that's what you got to do in that situation. So, yay, Russ, uh, being forced out to a new position or, you know, not his natural position and and making it his own. Uh, I, I love it, especially because the as Ben, as you said, the the central def- defensive midfield was was solid in this game. You didn't see a lot of things happening through Zone 14, which is which is very important to the way this team wants to play. Yeah, and uh, Russell Knaus is kind of doing what uh, Perry Kitchen did uh, a bunch of years ago. He is taking his central midfield skill set and uh, implementing it at the right back position. And I think we all know that that's not a long-term solution for DC United or for Russell Knauss, but he's making a good job of it right now. And it's what the team needs at the moment. And hopefully he continues to play this well uh, down the rest of the season, but we'll see what happens, but he's doing a good job now. And that is that of itself is to be celebrated. Uh, anything else on the field you guys want to talk about before we turn to something in the stands? Uh, I, I will say I'm glad to see the progress that Felipe and Junior Moreno are making. Um, we've yep. been critical of that duo when they first started. There there was a good game against the Galaxy and then very quickly, and, and also a good game but with lowered expectations because Felipe basically drove to the stadium from the airport and they said, you have to play 90 minutes tonight for the, your new teammates. And he said, uh, uh okay. Um, and they, I got think he said, one. great. That's what I want. That does actually sound. Yeah. He was probably very positive. Um, uh, d- believe it or not, actually a super positive guy and, and like very happy to be around and very polite. Uh, I know we've seen him only as a player, but it really is like the myths of Felipe being a good teammate and all that stuff appear to be true. Uh, it just, you know, no one wants um, to have so, to play against Felipe. Sometimes people are good people. Right. And they just are monsters towards their the opponents. Yeah. Um, you can, you can be a jerk on the field and completely pleasant in real life. Right. That, is, that duality exists. We contain right. multitudes. Um, um, like after the game, he was the first one to run over to the supporters and was celebrating with them like a kid on Christmas. Yeah. That's, um, that's how he is. Yeah. Um, like as soon as the I game's ever, off, he's just like, he's a puppy. Yeah, but um, out there he will fucking break your leg. But but I will I will I say one, that part. one thing one thing he's doing that isn't uh, possibly injuring op- opponents. Uh, and he's been pretty good. He hasn't had too many. He's had one or two bad challenges, but not like remarkably bad. Just regular bad. Um, but one thing that he adds that this way of playing kind of needs that that we weren't getting with Moreno and Canals. Um, is that he is kind of that second passing threat to open the field up. Um, if Rooney's going to drop into the midfield, you need somebody deeper than Rooney to be a, an option to play over the top. Otherwise, Rooney has to make a turn to play that ball himself, um, which that turn takes some time. And that time is the difference between that window is still existing and the window disappearing. Um, and Felipe brings that. Um, and he, he's got 
an eye out for those runs. Now he hasn't connected on enough of them. The the timing has been a little bit off, um, but it's not far off. And I think as long as he's providing that that vertical pass threat that normally only comes from Rooney, um, I think that's a big. It's an underrated factor for making this way of playing work, where the attacking midfielders, none of them are traditional playmakers. They are high energy guys trying to get open more than they are trying to be, uh, you know, a classic number 10 wizard on the ball kind of player. Um, If you're not going to have that sort of player in that line, you've got to have it somewhere else on the field. And um, Felipe is doing a, a increasingly good job of bringing that to the table. I mentioned we'd be looking at the stands, uh, and that's what we're going to do right now. During the 33rd minute of this game, the three DC United supporters groups, Scream Eagles, Bar Brava, District Ultras, unveiled uh, a United Front banner and started flying. Uh, there, there were some Iron Front two poles, one of them customized um, to, to represent the, the DC flag in the three arrows that are pointing down. One of them were, was outlined with three red stars in the middle. Um, and, and there were also gay pride bi pride and trans pride flags with similar customizations on them. I think, uh, I, I think those three were definitely district ultras because if you looked at the design, it was um, iron front was, district ultras design kind of matchup. Yeah. It was the X's instead of yeah. just stars. Um, but um, this is the first time that that we've seen a massive Iron Front display uh, at a DC United game. We've seen it in Portland, obviously in Seattle. We've seen those two groups come together. Uh, but it was the first time that that DC has done it. From my understanding, nobody was thrown out. Nobody had their their flags or banners taken away by security. Even though security did go over to assess the situation or or talk to people, figure out what was up, but but I didn't see any scuffles. I didn't see anybody being escorted out. I didn't hear about anybody being thrown out, which is the correct decision by DC United and in major league soccer. So, so kudos to everybody involved for being reasonable and appropriate. And I'll, I'll turn it over to you guys. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm glad to see it because I think, um, MLS has gotten this whole thing extremely wrong until apparently just before we started recording, they announced that they were going to stop uh, banning people for uh, Iron Front stuff. And it came after multiple uh, multi-day series of talks between the Independent Supporters Trust and the Timbers Army, Emerald City Supporters and Guerrilla FC, um, all having lengthy talks with MLS. Um and it, it took a lot. It took a lot for um, those those groups to get this to happen because MLS initially did not want to listen. Um, and, you know, on one hand, I think um, the, the, the politics behind the Iron Front banner are sort of like it's like the basic level of humanity you should have uh, in a lot of ways, like being against raci- racism and fascism are pretty basic qualifications to be a decent person. Um, but at the same time, when fans bring something like that in and the league has been cracking down, these are people risking losing something they love. They don't they might get banned. MLS might tell them you have to pay two hundred and fifty dollars to get the privilege of coming back 
to the game. Uh, you have to take this uh, absurd course um, that appeared to be apparently from from what I saw, someone tweeted out the presentation. It was mostly about abusing alcohol and not about yep. banners. Um, right. So MLS was clearly missing the point at most turns until the very end. They finally seem to have figured it out. Um, so yeah, the, the, you know, people took a risk in standing up for what was right. And I'm glad to see that they did it. And I'm glad to see that the team and security didn't go ahead. And I mean, at least from what we've heard, I'm on the other side of the stadium. It's hard to say exactly what's going on, but from what we were told on the site account, it appeared that no one was thrown out. No one had to, no one had to pay a price for just saying a, a basic positive thing about what their beliefs are. So, um, it's it sucks that it's not just a thing that happened that shouldn't have been or it shouldn't have been a risk for any fan to do that. Um, but that's where the league has take had taken it until just now. So um, it's it's good that the course correction is happening. Um, I wish that they didn't need course correct as a league, but um, I'm glad that they are at least uh, figuring it out at this late date. All right. With that, we're gonna we're gonna call it an episode. We'll be back later in the week to preview the Atlantic Cup matchup this Sunday. Watch that, by the way, on Fox Sports One. It has been moved from Flow Sports. It got optioned up to the national TV game. All the Eastern Conference. Where'd you hear that first? I I first heard that from somebody tweeting uh, from BlackAndRedUnited.com. Interesting. Never heard of that site. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's it's pretty obscure, run by some some guys who are pretty weird. If I'm going to be honest. Um, anyway, uh, five o'clock every Eastern Conference game. It's the penultimate week of the season, um, and and every Eastern Conference game will be at five. Every Western Conference game will be at seven thirty, I think, Eastern time. So uh, fun few hours Sunday night. Um, but DC United on national TV can't complain about that uh thank you for for listening if you want to support us financially you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster if you just want to read what we have to say in written style instead of audio format uh do that at blackandredunited.com find us on twitter at filibuster dcu at black and red U for the website send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com even if we don't reply i promise we do read all of them find us on itunes stitcher wherever you get your podcasts mostly though please tell a friend about the show that's the best way to get the word out and we appreciate it when you talk about us it just makes us feel good um you can even tell us about it about the blank look your friend gave them when you said i listen to a soccer podcast um i get that look all the time when i talk about soccer podcasts i don't know why i talk about soccer podcasts so much but i do it's who i am it's part of me it's my identity okay leave me alone for jason and ben i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason Go Mystics. Go Mystics. And happy birthday, Gritty.